Chris Jones, it's great to have you on the show. And what a wonderful interview, man. I am uh, Thanks. Um, I am just blown away by everything you are. Rocket scientist, running for governor, <laughs> uh, a man of faith. I really love the idea of, of faith and science being in the same study. I think that it's wrong to negate one for the other. Right. Agreed. Give me that real quick, that explanation of how faith and, and science can work together. I think it's it's lovely to hear. I respect and appreciate that uh, some folks have attention. For me, it hasn't been. Uh, and in part, I reflect back on my time as a physicist and building a relationship with a Nobel laureate in physics. And one of the things that really stuck with me is that there's m so much more that we don't know in the science world. So it actually takes a leap of faith even in science. Uh, and because there's so much we don't know, it gives me a peace and a calm to know that, hey, guess what? There's a world out there that my faith gives me a grounding in. So, you know, for me, there's never been a tension. I always find the irony of science is that it is always discovering something that is unknown. Like that, to me, is sort of yeah. the the interesting thing about it, right? Like, so to believe in something that's ever-changing seems like it, it's trying to hold on to something that is just unattainable because it's always moving forward, so. Well, there's a difference between ever-changing and, and unknowing. right. That's true, huh? So you think about it, and I'll tell you a quick story, right? Very quick. Uh, the bumblebee. There was a time when we said the bumblebee should not be able to fly. It just doesn't know it shouldn't be able to fly, right? So science believed the aerodynamics was that bumblebees should not fly, and it, it was flying on faith until we found out that the way that the air circulates under the wings of the, of the bumblebee gives it extra lift. So now there's an aerodynamic explanation for why the bumblebee flies. It knew it all along. We just didn't right. know. And now we know. <laughs> I love that. I remember that. I remember, I think I got taught that probably in school. And oh, Scott, I got to tell you that um, probably, you know, in addition to, to being a husband to an amazing wife, the other moniker that that, uh, that means the most is being a girl dad. Oh, yeah. Girl dads are the best, man. <laughs> yeah. We, we rock. Yeah, I'm sending you a Blue shirt. Rock. I'm going to send you a hun hat and a shirt that says... Uh, you know, girl dads rock. I love it. I'll take it. I'll wear it. You girl dads rock for, for governor. Yeah. Girl, girl dad for governor. We do have a group. We have a group of girl dads for governor. Uh, girl dads for Chris. So, hey, you know, come join the group. Girl dads for Chris. Real quick, Chris. I think one of the things that's important to reiterate, and this might be a little redundant for you just because we talked about it, but why is it important for us in Los Angeles and California for this election for you to be elected? Why is it important for a black candidate in an area that's never seen a black governor and a Democrat in this time to be uh, given the opportunity to, I, I want to use the bumblebee analogy, <laughs> but to bring in something different and see things differently for people. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it falls into at least three buckets. You know, one is that representation matters, right? And so when we can see ourselves in others, and we have never had a black statewide elected official in Arkansas, much less a governor. Crazy to me, by the way. It is. And yet when folks in Arkansas and in LA and in New York, when folks see that, wait a minute, that he looks like me. And if he can do it, then that means I can do it as well. That fundamentally changes the, tra the trajectory of people. You know, the, the other bucket is that we know now that states are going to play such a critical role in what happens in this country, whether it's being a stopgap for crazy laws or being an incubator for and a test bed for the exciting innovation that's to come, governors are going to matter. And so in, in Arkansas, we have a choice between someone we know who's going to open the floodgates of madness in my opponent 
versus someone like me who's had an experience in everything from science to urban planning to, you know, religion and being able to look at problems and solve them with everyone else and creating an inclusive table. And then the last piece is why it matters is because when you think about who is going to be leading our nation in the future, mm. the cheapest investment from stopping my opponent, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, is now. Because if she wins this office, then look out because her sights are on a nationwide office. And so if, if you want to stop her, you need to stop her now. And we need everyone's help to do that. We're going to take just a quick break to tell you about a cool new product that Scott and I discovered. And we'll get back to our guest's amazing Only One story in just a minute. I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia, and Virginia oh, had yeah. a, a black governor and went very blue, very blue for the last four or five years. It felt like Obama's term as far as the amount of momentum it had behind it. And then when he stepped away, there yeah. was this other flow of momentum, like the tide went out and then the, the tide came in. Do you think that that's normal for change? Do you think there's a big push for change and then it has to come back? Or do you think that, and then this is an opportunity to just see how things can change? I think that it's, it's sort of dual, right? There's an oscillating nature. Of, of things where where you oscillate from one end to the next. And that, that a lot of it has to do with what we experience. I can't get this quote exactly right, but essentially it's the, the third generation. If you start in poverty, but you end up in riches, by the third generation, you're back in poverty. And, and that, that, there's, a, there's a saying about that, which is essentially saying that it's the struggle and the challenges that birth some things. But then once it's birthed, you often get rid of the struggle and the challenge. And so the next generation doesn't have that same struggle and challenge. And so they, they step back and they get slower and they get a little bit, little bit slothful every now and then. And then that opens the door for madness to come through. The other thing I'll say on that, so there's the, there's the oscillating nature is, is true. The other piece, though, I, I do think change, while it takes a constant building to get to dramatic change, change isn't a linear thing. It's a peak, right? So you're, you're slowly moving in one direction, and then you, you peak, and that's when change happens. Even again, looking at President Obama, he sort of came out of nowhere, if you would. You look at a Stacey Abrams, she sort of came out of nowhere, if you would. That injection of something different is what then causes an immediate and a dramatic change. And I think that's what we're seeing in Arkansas. Anytime you have folks that are from what has a history of being a deeply racist place, and folks that are from what has a rich history of being, you know, a, a black college town that embraces diversity. And they both are saying, I'm coming out for the same person. And they're not coming out for me. They're coming out for the broader belonging, the we. Then we are ready and ripe for change. And I think we can be an example for so many other places. Yeah, I, I think that's what happened in Richmond for me. When I saw this place that I had grown up, kind of like the younger people really stepped in and felt like there was a lot of momentum for that type of change. And the old guard was looking at him like, what's going on here, you know? And I think it lent to that pushback. But it, it sounds like you're that change and spending an hour with you and hearing you talk about being a father and just being a real person, man, I think is it's just lovely. And it, it feels, you know, when you just feel like somebody's in the position they need to be in at the time they need to be in it, it certainly feels like that for you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. What's going to take all of us? We're doing our best, man. So there you go. Uh, Everybody plays got a role. Your back. <laughs> ah, thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to get you that hunt hat. We're going to get you a t-shirt. And um, mm -hmm. we really, we really appreciate <laughs> you coming on the show and sharing your, your platform with us, man. We're going to come you see both. you in the governor's mansion. 
Yeah. Yeah. Come, come before, knock on some doors. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. That's right. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Honey, that was such an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it's time for some Patreon shout-outs, though. Yes, it is. Time right, for Patreon right. shout-outs. For some people supporting the podcast. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much to our patrons who support us on Patreon. And the first person we're going to shout-out is a new podcast. It's not a new podcast. It's new to us. It's new to us. And an upcoming guest. Yes. It is called How to Do the Pot Podcast. I just love that name. How to Do the Pot. How to Do the Pot. You heard that right. Yep. So check this out. Three out of four women in the U.S. have access to legal weed. Huh. But most women still have a lot of questions. Okay. So How to Do the Pot Podcast is demystifying cannabis for women. And for men. And for men, (laughs) every week you can listen for fun, short episodes that answer all the questions women secretly Google about cannabis. Okay, we want to clear this up a little bit because I went into this thinking this was just about pot, but this is about the medicinal use of marijuana, right? It is. How to Do the Pot shares women's personal stories and advice from experts to help them with solutions around stress, sleep, sex, and chronic pain. All right. With the goal of helping women feel more confident in their choices about cannabis. This is an overdue conversation. Yes. So if you're ready for practical advice about weed by women for women, listen to How to Do the Pot wherever you get your podcasts. So our second one is Mercedes Cusick LMFT. Right on. Mercedes is back. Mercedes. We love Mercedes, right? Mm -hmm. And her family. She is a licensed trauma therapist and certified EMDR therapist. Okay, what's that mean, right? That means that she's had some advanced training in complex and developmental trauma, and she's doing something pretty incredible called EMDR intensives. Yeah, this is pretty unique, isn't it? It is. It's a concierge curated program that's just for you, everyone who's listening. EMDR intensives range from a half day to several days and are the equivalent of two to six months of weekly therapy. Wow. Wow. Now, some people may ask, what is EMDR? Uh, Well, I'll try to give you an explanation. Break it down, honey. EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. By simply stimulating both sides of the brain, it helps heal the brain and desensitizes traumatic or upsetting memories. It's also been used to effectively treat a wide range of mental health problems such as PTSD, depression, anxiety, grief, and phobias. Ooh. So what's cool about these intensives is that they allow you to unpack the past and the pain without having to deal with everyday stuff like carpooling and morning meetings and presentations. And this intensive format decreases treatment time and saves you a considerable amount of money in the long run. Exactly. So if you want to start feeling better now, and why wouldn't you? Right. Then EMDR intensives are the way to go. And California residents, click the link in our show notes to find the link to Mercedes Cusick's website and book your EMDR intensive today. That's right. And don't live in the pain of past trauma any longer than you have to. Mm-hmm. Mercedes Cusick, LMFT, licensed trauma therapist, is located in Woodland Hills, California. Her website is www.mercedescusick.com. Very impressive spelling as usual, hun. <laughs> 
shout out to our friend Kathleen Hahn. Kathleen. Yeah, she's been a show favorite from the very beginning. Yes, she has. And she is supporting us by letting us shout her out every week. You know, and that's such a cool thing. Like, she is a patron of us. She has joined our Patreon at this level, so she gets her name shouted out in every episode. And she's not even really promoting anything right now. No, you know, she's actually, you know, bought a few of the books, yes. uh, gone on people's websites, become part of communities. She's uh, a true only one in the room, she, Rumi absolutely. member. and yes. a friend. So we love you, Kathleen. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. And thank you to all of our Patreons and all the new ones who just joined. Some of them don't get shouted out. You know, it depends on what level you join, but we appreciate everybody. The podcast needs the support, so we appreciate you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. The Only One in the Room is produced by the creative genius that is Scott Slaughter and edited by the uber-talented polymath Christina Barcy and her team at Avon House Productions. Hey, you're still listening? Good. Please subscribe right now while you're thinking about it, quick, before you forget. And be sure to like and leave us a review of the show. Want to connect with some other Only One listeners? Be sure to join our private Only One in the Room Facebook group or check out Patreon on our website for exclusive content that you won't find anywhere else. And do you have an Only One in the Room story that you'd like to share? Please send it to theonlyonepod at gmail.com. <laughs>